Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mirror man, mirror man, you twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror man. Good morning and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I'm joined by man like Matt Candela. How you doing, Matt? Good, mate. Good. Yeah, enjoyed enjoyed the game. Uh, we're in pole position. Uh, the performance was good. So, yeah, excited to, to get into it. A lot less stressful I, than Leeds, right? Uh, yeah, it was, a lot, it was a lot less stressful. <laughs> and it was nice to see that some of the players that looked low in energy uh, came uh, bursting out of the traps. I mean, maybe not bursting out of the traps. I don't think PSV really came to play. Um, but the Arsenal players certainly looked a lot fitter than they did at the weekend. What did you think? We did, yeah. Um, good use of the squad. Uh, rotated some players. I still, and we'll get into it, have no idea why we insist on making Saka play almost every minute of every game. Give Starboy a break, please, for Christ's sake. But um, but yeah, we, we look fit. We look up for it. Um, I mean, we had a nice long rest, right? Four full days. And now really the big question is how are we going to show up at Le- uh, Southampton on Sunday? Yeah, the Southampton game... It has me more worried than it should. Um, they had to play yesterday, so they haven't had a whole um, a whole week to prepare for us. So hopefully who they'll be they, a little who, bit fatigued. Who, who, who were they playing yesterday? They played Bournemouth yesterday. So it was, it was a derby game. They had to go all in. Uh, I'm pretty sure last time I checked, they won 1-0, if, uh, if that's Ooh. correct on your phone. Is that correct? But Ralph Hassel is under pressure. But we, we can talk about that a little bit um, a little bit later on. But... We're here to talk about um, a great win tonight. Matt, there's only you on the podcast, so I'm going to go see you for the hottest of takes. My hottest of takes is that winning is a habit. You know, you just got to keep it up. And it's sort of a game that I don't think many Arsenal fans really cared about or wanted. The Europa League, we'd like to win it, but, you know, we're, 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 we're fully invested in the Premier League at the moment, so... All of these games just feel like a sort of a bit of a distraction at the moment. 
That said, if you don't get the win, you can start putting yourself under pressure and you can start doubts arising about um, about form and all of those sorts of things. So I was just very, very pleased that we kept the winning run going. I think that's, what is it, 12 or 13 wins this season? Just the one defeat against PSV, who are a very, very good team. We'll get into their manager, who I spent a number of years absolutely detesting. Um, but yeah, they're, they're a good team, PSV. We were level on points going into this. So to go away, uh, not to go away, to go to go home and beat them was, was, was a really fantastic result, I think. Yeah, it's difficult to move away from, um, from your hottest of take there because it just feels like winning is a habit now. I'm I'm going into games like this and I'm not expecting um the levels to drop too much. But I guess my um my hottest of take probably centers a little bit around uh Sambi Laconga. Um he's chirping off in the media this week about you know being upset about he you know he wanted to leave at the end of the season. That he was I think he said he was disgusted with Roberto Martinez for taking him away on camp to Belgium and not giving him a single minute. But the thing is if you've got a big mouth and you want to talk in the press instead of doing um, you're talking on the pitch, um, you're going to get criticism. And I think we saw it in the All or Nothing documentary when Eddie called him out and said, listen, we're, we're all in this together. Um, stop whining. And he whined this week. And I was hoping that Sam Bidakonga would come out and, and show us what he's all about. And another game where I, I, he didn't really do it. He's... Um, He's been a little bit disappointing for me. I mean, he's obviously got the talent, but he doesn't look particularly confident. Um, he gets caught out um, quite a bit. But I thought it was quite a bland game from a player that wants to be knocking on the door, uh, on the doors of the, the the Belgium international midfield. I mean, you've got to be finding levels higher than that. So my hottest of takes is um, you never want players um, uh, at Arsenal that are happy to sit on the bench. You really don't. But you also don't want players trapping off in the media. Do you talking on the pitch? And tonight, for me, Sambi Conga is uh, a prime example of somebody that's um, maybe got to get his head down because he's not at the level at the moment. And if you're not doing it in the Europa League, you shouldn't be complaining that you're not getting Premier League minutes. Ouch. Going in two-footed on Conga in the opening six minutes. Wow. He I know. I know. He's, he's just, yeah, he I got know. Whole, I, really? Really? What? Did, did, he was, wake up, did he wake up on the wrong side of the bed today or something? You're just feeling a bit I um, did. angry. Are, we, are you angry? Uh, I woke up to a dub, uh, uh, two, uh, two soiled nappies within 15 minutes. I'm a little bit, little bit on edge today. A, a little bit on edge. All right, Matt, let's talk about it. Um, Europa League, uh, everybody said that the strategy was pretty clear at the start. You've got to win your first four games so that you can afford to rest players. Um We've won all four of our games. How big is that for a Premier League campaign um, with four more games left to go in the league? Yeah, I think it's big because as much as we want to do something in the Europa, we really, really don't want to play these games, in my opinion. We're sort of cons- they're not marquee games. They're not marquee opposition. I don't believe that the players are really, really excited about this phase of the Europa League. I think it gets interesting when the Champions League teams drop in. So we're just sort of... It's all about efficiency, right? It's all about getting through this phase of games with the limit, with the least amount of energy spent, uh, no injuries, making things simple. And fortunately, that's what I think we've done. Um, 
it didn't feel like a performance that hope that hopefully took too much out of the team. They seemed in their groove from the first minute. Um, so now next week we go to Eindhoven, right? Um, and the good thing about that is that's definitely the trickiest game of um, the the group stage. And I think again we've talked about being dealt little bits of luck. I think it's way better now to be able to go to PSV having played the first game at home because I think we've got the measure of them a little bit. I think we'll be confident going ne there next week because we'll know what their level is. Uh, we haven't got, we've got far less pressure on us because we've already got the three points. So I think the, the postponements really, really work well for us. Um, and then, um, and then, yeah, we just, we just keep on going. And I think we're also fortunate that the game that we've got after Eindhoven away is Forest at home. I think that's a that that's a good place, good game to be having after a long, tough, potentially European trip. So we just got to get it wrapped up. Um, I think we've got to just try and get the win next week, right away at Eindhoven, um, and 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 call it a day because that will mean we qualify top, I believe. Yeah, I think I think you're right about the the fixtures falling well for us last season. We got a rough run of fixtures last season. Um, I went very public about the league screwing us over. Clearly, the person planning the fixtures last year was a Spurs fan because they didn't have the same plight as us. But this year, um, they've course corrected um, after we established the the limited chance of um, our fixtures turning out the way they did last season. But and the good thing about the the away leg, like when you go to when you fly into to PSV by private jet. Um, the Arsenal players should be back by 11.30 p.m., maybe 12, latest. They get to sleep in their own bed. Um, it's a home game, so they don't have to stay. They don't have to go up to a hotel on the Friday. Um, so that really works out well for us. But I think I think the, the great thing about tonight is, you know, we're now, f I think we're five points clear at the top of the table. That means that the rotation for that PSV game can be a little bit heavier. Like, I would quite like to see us roll out a few of the, the younger kids like, I want to see a 15-year-old in the starting 11 for that PSV game. It should be relatively unimportant. You don't want to lose the game. You don't want to take all of the experience out, but you want to make sure that the players that you're putting in for that um, that away game are players that don't need to move a lot. Um, like, I wouldn't like to see Saka there. I don't want to see Gabriel Jesus in that starting lineup in an away game. I'd like to see them really fresh for that Forest game. So I think the four wins out of four, you know what really um, has struck me? The Europa League for Arsenal, and I think we're in our, you know, our third run of it. Um, when it when we were kind of like a, in in the Emery era, players really didn't want to show up in those games. They didn't want to be there. They thought that they were too big for it. So you you know you'd get wins in those tournaments, but you'd get players looking like they were playing fifty percent, looking like they didn't want to be there. I think Arteta's done a very good job of creating um, a very competitive squad. Um, you know, it's, it's a competitive, you know, 23, 24 players out there. I think we've got 23 players, but everybody's in that squad today is trying to prove a point that they should be under consideration uh, for the Southampton game this weekend. And I don't think we've had um, blowout performances like that, that too often. You know, PSV are not a bad side. Uh, I think Ruud van der Store is a good coach. Everybody's been talking about Cody Gakpo, like he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I think that they were, you know, they're the top team in our group and we battered them as badly as Man United battered Spurs last night, 25 attempts on goal. I mean, we, we are we are starting to get back. To, do you remember like Picas and Wenger when you played Derby and it would be 25, 30 shots a game? 
and we haven't been there for a long time. We didn't get there under Unai Emery. Uh, late stage Wenger, it never really got like that. You know, it was very rare. And certainly at the start of Arteta's tenure, I mean, I think I think in Arteta's first six months, we were averaging something like nine attempts at goal per game. And now we're hitting 28. I think um, in the league, we have the third most attempts on goal and the second most attempts on target. Like the progress is just absolutely uh, mesmerizing. Staggering. It's staggering. But you know what I love? I love seeing it in the Europa League because it, like me and you don't want to watch PSV versus Arsenal. You think the players don't feel exactly the same about those games? They don't, they don't want to play those games. Um, but it's good experience. And it's nice to see the you know players can push through the ugh barrier and um and deliver a good performance. I mean it was it was good out there today. It wasn't it wasn't fifth gear good, but it was it was third gear comfortable good. And I and I didn't want fifth gear good. I wanted <laughs> it exactly how it was. I want to keep them fresh. I'm so conscious of this opportunity, in my opinion, that's landed on our lap when it comes to the league. That's not to say we're going to win the league, but it just goes to show that we're getting a lot of things falling our way. And at some point you have to just snap all those opportunities up. And that means prioritization. And I think one of the biggest issues that we can have is if we don't prioritize, if we go equally in for all competitions, because I think when you do that, you risk not winning anything. And I think that we need to... Liverpool need to... won last year, but they were in four competitions. And you have to say, did being in all four competitions, trying to go for that quadruple, did that cost them Europe? And did that cost them the Premier League? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you'd normally say yes. I think they, the fact that they won both domestic cups probably means it didn't. But um, yeah, maybe it cost them in that Spurs game they drew rather than won, you know, or whatever well, it they was. Look so, exactly. So, um, you know, I do I do worry about us overplaying players. I do think there's some players out there who didn't need to be playing. But, you know, it was it was good. And long may it continue. I think as Arsenal fans, we've now all got, just one eye on this on the end of this on the end of the first half of the season if if, if if we're all honest in a way we're all desperate to just sort of wrap it up now and just be top and and just get get through these next games and, and hopefully win them and then get the chance to regroup and 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 recrack the second half of the season because it's just been beyond all of our wildest dreams i think how well this this first half of the season has gone so um Talking about prioritization of competitions, Mikel Arteta did play a lot of first teamers today. Um, is you know part of a, having a good culture um, is having players that want to play every single game. Um, I, I was told, uh, you know, I've been told stories about sort of late stage Wenger years. I mean, not even that late stage. I'm talking the years of like Alex Song and Meza Özil where players would be sort of openly talking in the dressing room about how they could get out of going to difficult away games. <laughs> like not, you know, th this is players like Alex Song and Meza Ozil, literally scheming to get out of games, faking back injuries, you know, like playing the system. Um, I feel like now we're in a scenario where it's totally different. And now the problem is Gabriel Jesus wants to play. It's I, I can't imagine Bukayo Saka is begging to be benched in games like this. Otherwise, he wouldn't be playing, would he? Um, is uh, like how do you, how do you think Arteta needs to balance um, having competitive players that want to be part of something special in every single minute of the game, 
Um, and knowing that there are long-term implications or just like just the potential for dangerous moments against average players who want to make a name for themselves. There's always a, who was that little, it, like, there's always a Lee Catamol in one of these European teams. It's like, you know what I'd love to do? I'd love to break somebody's ankle or be famous for that. Like, how, how do you balance that, Matt? Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard. Um, I don't, I wouldn't have played Gabriel Jesus tonight. I wouldn't have played Saka tonight. Those two players were unnecessary in my opinion uh but it's hard because they're also the difference makers they're always they're also irreplaceable they're also the people who can get you goals out of nothing um and you know we're just probably looking at it and going a win here at home and we're basically through so that's the reason why they played um again thomas party coming on as a sub it's like i don't like him coming on having not started, but maybe not warmed up properly, throwing himself into a game. The risk-reward ratio is just like all out of whack on that. We don't need it. Just keep him on the bench. We don't. He is totally, totally irreplaceable to Arsenal. So, you know, all of those, I think Saka got clattered a couple of times and you're just like, every time he goes down, I, I'm like holding my breath because, again, he scored four goals last week. He scored three winners last week. We can't do it without him. So is PSV that important you know so all of those things are going through the mind but they also want to play and they're also you know we we pay their wages so they can play football they're robust and where my head's sort of at now is we have to start getting used to the idea of our first team playing three games a week because that's what the champions league is that's what elite football is and it's going to be such a shock to the system if we don't do it this year at all to those players who have never, ever played three games in a week. And then suddenly they're playing three games a week, but sometimes it's Man United on the Saturday, AC Milan on the Wednesday, Chelsea on the following Saturday. You know, there's not easy games and they need to deliver eight out of 10 performances. So it's important that they get used to it. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a fair point. I, I nearly had a heart attack when Saka took that shot um, yeah. later in the second half, 71st minute. And I, and I, I didn't see that he'd been, had his, had his calf dragged with studs. And I was like, Oh no, there's no, like, there's no contact there. A calf injury. He could be out for six, seven weeks. And thankfully, thankfully he got up. But I also wonder whether, um, like do players, your players get more robust as they get older. I mean, to a certain point, you know, when 29 and then everything sort of goes, goes to shit. But I'm, I'm hoping that some of these young players are um, getting a little bit more battle-worn. You know, like Saka just looks very robust this season. He looks bigger. Um, Eddie Nketiah, I know he doesn't play a lot of minutes, but he looks like a, a he's, looks like his physique has bulked up. Even like Martin Erdegaard looks more um, more robust than he has in the past. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping that they'll grow into their bodies a little bit and maybe some of these niggles will disappear. Yeah, I'm also wondering whether it, it comes into play, the fact that, there was a Premier League uh, round of games this week. So, you know, we're going to play a team who also played in midweek. It's um, a good point. There's yeah. no, it's not like we're playing um, an opposition team who haven't played all week and have had a week of rest. So everyone's sort of in the same boat. So I wonder if that's an extra reason for Arteta to go with a slightly more experienced team than he normally would have because he knows that the team we're playing on the weekend has had the same amount of recovery time and hasn't had a chance to rest anybody. So, you know, yes, it's a day later, but 
but you know, it doesn't really matter. Fair, fair point. All right, let's move on to the next topic. Oh, yes. I, so before we get to the finish, I thought Granit Jacker was absolutely brilliant tonight. And I, I, where does he get the nerve to be this good as a, a number eight? He was so advanced. And, and teams don't know what to do with him because he's got surprisingly tight control in, in all situations. But now he's adding this flair. Like the, the the commentators on the stream that I was watching were you remember the flick that he that he played to Gabriel? Um just a beautiful flick, like Meza Urzel like awareness. Um but he's been doing that all season and he just gets better and better and better. And then he turns up for this finish. It's so casual. Where granite, what has happened to this man? Um Matt talk to me about granite Jacker. What's going on here? Because I'm I'm losing my mind every time I see him. I can't believe how good he is. I know it's bizarre, isn't it? We spent so long calling him sort of calamitous and not being his biggest fan and saying that Arsenal can't progress with Granite Xhaka in midfield and almost giving him to Roma for 10 million and thinking that wouldn't even be that bad a deal. Cra- like crazy stuff, crazy stuff. And then now he just looks so powerful. Um, he's got that sort of confidence that like the leading players have, but they just look bigger. And faster and more competent than other people on the pitch. So doesn't he long... look fit and healthy oh, right now? He looks I love really that. healthy. He looks that right, hair, you know. that haircut. He looks so happy. He looks uh, so chiselled. Turns out being loved by Arsenal fans has a positive impact on the rest of your life. Um, so you know he's he's got he, he's just sensational at the moment. He's so advanced. What more can we say? Just we, we all owe a big apology, right? We do. You, you, do you, think... you were you were a pretty big detractor of his. Are you completely converted now? I think I've been a pretty big fan of him under Arteta. <laughs> under Arteta, before that, you know, like when he when he told the fans to fuck off, one hundred percent, I wanted him out. When we got offered ten million for him, I was a hundred percent behind that deal. I thought it was time to move on, even though he was playing well. My view when he started playing well for Arteta was sell him while he's hot. And then he's just got hotter and hotter and hotter. And now we've got this volcano of a number eight playing on the pitch. <laughs> and it's just unbelievable to watch. I, but it's it, like it, he looks happy. And um, and the bigger know, the game, the bigger the performance. I mean, he doesn't get great. phased by, by situations. He doesn't. And um, I, I wondered whether... I want, like Mikel Arteta was clearly looking at bringing in a number eight um, over the summer. I think that equation changed when Thomas Partey got injured. But I wonder if Arteta's going, do we need Tielemans in January with Granite Xhaka playing as well as he's playing? Like, should we just wait for him to be a free on the summer? Because I can't imagine that Mikel Arteta was like, yeah, Granite's going to come in and be one of the best number eights in the league this season. It's fe- it felt like moving him up the pitch was like um, almost like a stopgap option. And just to show, this is what we're trying to get out of a player until we upgrade, you know? Do you think um, Tielemann is still a person that we'd like to bring in? I think Tielemann's is is a player that we will, we will look to bring in, but I think Arsenal will say, we're not going to spend 20 million on you in January. I think the I think we will spend very little in January. If we're in, if we're in a, you know, top of the league come January, it will be quite likely that we finish top four. And then it's like, 
why would you why would we spend 60 million on two or three players in January when there are literally 10 or 11 top top free transfers or players going into the last year of their deal in the summer and we all saw what happened we passed on Vlahovic in January who I loved uh Vlahovic has been absolutely awful at Juventus. And then we picked up Gabriel Jesus, who had one year left on his deal for 45 million. So um, I think the Granite Jacker might have changed the transfer equation. Um, and maybe maybe he allows us to spend a little bit more money on cover for uh, Thomas Partey next summer. Yeah. Uh, you got anything more to say on that before I move on to the next subject? No, I mean we need. I think we need to. I think we need cover for Thomas Party. I think you know, it, we, he's irreplaceable, and we need someone who can at least come in and do a possible job. If Moel Nenny isn't going to be back, um, I think it sounded like Moel Nenny's not going to be back till next next year. Um, so yeah, I think I think we're going to need to. I think it would be a shame to think. Well, we've definitely got top four. Let's not sign anyone. And I don't think I don't necessarily agree with that narrative right now, but we'll see. We'll see. The interesting thing about the squad, though, Matt, is there are a lot of people saying we're going to get so punished. We're going to get so punished. We're taking so many big risks with our squad, but we've we've dealt with quite a lot of injuries. Nothing's really phased us that bad. No, I think I, th- I think it's really simple. I think it's FA Cup, League Cup, Europa League, and. Post World Cup and then a compressed season in terms of fixtures post World Cup. Like I think it's like we're going to go into at Christmas time. We're going to have played something like thirteen league games or fourteen league games. We're not going to be at eighteen or twenty. So um, I think that's the biggest challenge. How do you manage just the sheer load of games that's going to happen in a very compressed time frame across four competitions? But to quote the great Arsene Wenger. Smith Rowe and El Nenny will be like a new signing. Yeah. They're coming back. They're going to be fit. I mean, we've all forgotten about Emil Smith Rowe, but if he gets that groin fixed that's sort of made his career stutter over the last um over the last year or so, like what a what a great addition to come back into the squad. Oh, you know, I know you'll be excited. I know oh. you'll be excited. Um okay, let's uh let's talk about uh, we hit the target a number of times. We had loads of space all evening. We had some of our sharpshooters, our best sharpshooters at the club on the pitch. Uh, Fabio Vieira, uh, an end product kind of guy. Gabriel Jesus, a star striker this season. Eddie Nketiah, um, always one for finding the target. 25 shots and one goal. Um, we weren't that good in front of goal against Leeds at the weekend. Is there cause for concern here or... Is it just, listen, it's one of those games where we're getting the wins that we want and that's all that matters. I don't think it's cause for concern quite yet, but we may get there soon. Definitely the goals have dried up a little bit. I don't think Eddie really worked as that sort of left-sided attacking experiment, unfortunately. I would have loved it if it had, but it didn't. I thought he was out of sorts, personally. Had some had a couple of nice moments. His finishing was terrible. Um and and he really should have, he really should have got something. Gabriel Jesus was sort of trying too hard in a way. Uh, Saka, I think there were a couple of moments when he shot rather than tried to pass. So across the board, we we just like a little bit not at the races. 
I think we're better moving forward when Martin when we've got Martinelli on the left. I think he's so good at getting to the byline and knocking the ball back. I think we create so many chances from like the you know our, our sort of cutback uh, version. So, um, but I think we're doing all the right things, right? It, it's high quality play. It's balls in the box. It's dangerous. It's runners. It's all of those things. So. I think someone will be on the end of a beating. Hopefully, it'll be Southampton. Well, hopefully, it'll be Southampton, Forest, Chelsea, and Wolves before the end of the season. But not, not, not worried yet. But wouldn't mind thinking about how we would freshen it up a bit. I think that 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 number nine. It'd be nice to have another option, a sort of a a big target person, you know, um, to come in and be able to just sort of cause havoc. But you know, we'll see. We'll see. It's all it's all it's all looking good. What did you think? I I don't know. I I, I think that I think that we've got too many quality players to go on a, a long a long run where we don't score goals these days. I, I, like Gabriel Jesus just looks, looks a little bit off the boil at the moment. And my only one concern with Gabriel Jesus is he he's been an impact player for five years. And all of a sudden, he's the main man and he's playing every single game. And I just, I know that these elite level athletes are super fit, but there's a big difference between 19 starts and 50. And I wonder whether Zinchenko has had a lot of injury problems. Jesus looks tired. Um, I, I'm just wondering whether there is going to be a period of adaptation. And I don't think it will last long, um, but he just, he didn't look like the terrier that he has done um, for most of the season. And when you kind of like, what's the Occam's razor here? It's that he doesn't, he doesn't normally play this many games in a row. So I don't know whether that is a, a theory worth exploring or whether we should just wait and see what he does at the weekend. Yeah. I mean, it's difficult not to agree with that. Um, I mean, I think he's got four yellow cards, right? And I think he, we, I think the, the plan that I've heard, I don't know whether they're going to do it. The plan I've heard is that he gets goes and tries and gets booked against Southampton and then he'll miss the Forest game. Um, but it means that there's no danger of him getting booked against Forest and missing the Chelsea game or indeed getting booked against Chelsea and missing the Wolves game. I think it would be insane to not give him a yet, not get him a yellow card and for him to miss the Forest game. We're going to need to give him a break at some point. And we don't want to risk, you know, a rash tackle or something against Forest that leads to, um, you know, a Chelsea uh, or a, uh, to miss the Chelsea game. Or at least maybe he he's on the bench against Forest and only has to play half an hour or whatever if, if, if really, really necessary because we really, really need to keep him fit. Yeah, I'd agree with that. That's that's the kind of smart planning that we haven't really had at Arsenal. It'll be interesting to see whether they want him to pick up the, the book in early or he tries to get it in the last five minutes and then he gets subbed off. Yeah, or whether they just go, actually, why get him a booking? Let's just start him on the bench and then hopefully we don't need to bring him on. That's a good shout. You know, that's probably the, the better solution, right? Because... You've still got access to him if you're one all or a goal down against Nottingham Forest with 20 minutes to go. You can bring him on. And yes, you know, you risk uh, the booking, um, but you've got him in case you need him. I think that's, that's probably the best, the best case scenario. 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Cunning. All right, let's move on to the next topic. Uh, Fabio Vieira. Uh, he's kind of easing his way in. There's a lot of quality about his game. But I want to talk about that uh that pass to Gabriel Jesus, picking out that run in the box, and get, he missed. He Gabriel Jesus missed the ball, but that would have been one of the passes of the season. And I was thinking, first of all, the only player that I've seen at Arsenal over the last five years that could do that is Meza Özil. Um, but secondly, I was thinking about the only player that I see do that regularly in the Premier League is Kevin De Bruyne. And I just wanted to get your take. Obviously, it's super early days uh, for Fabio Vieira, but the guy sees the game differently um, to other creators. What did you think about Fabio Vieira's performance, and what does he have to do to, to to kick it up a level and start getting, you know, start start asking questions of Martin Erdegaard? I mean, it's controversial. I think for me, from what I've seen, Fabio Vieira's got a higher ceiling than Martin Erdegaard. Um. And not that we necessarily need to compare them, but it sort of does feel like they're competing for the same place. And Fabio Vieira, I think, is a bit faster. Um, his passing is more ambitious in many ways. So he's got some... And then he's just so mobile and he's got just a great number of tricks and all of that sort of stuff. So I'm a huge fan of his. At the same time, what he can't do that Odegaard can do is he can't dominate a game for 90 minutes. It's very much you know, moments of magic rather than, you know, full 90 minutes of magic. So I think it's sort of perfect as is. He's got his chance to get some minutes, play some games, get settled, uh, grow, adapt. And then, uh, and then hopefully in the future, he'll be, he'll be ready to make even more of an impact. But I'm, I'm a huge fan of Fabio Vieira. He's, and the fact that he's come in so quickly and has looked so assured is, is, is really great news. Do you um, do you think that physicality is something that he has to work on? Like, do you see him putting on, you know, four or five kilos to to get a little bit more muscly? Is part of him not being able to manage ninety minutes? Is it experience or is it literal physicality? I'm sure he will because everyone at Arsenal does it and bulks up. Eddie and Ketia bulked up. You know, Saka bulked up. Martinelli bulked up. So I think they know that he'll he'll want to do that, but he he'll be more like a Gabriel Jesus, who I think is doesn't look imposing, doesn't act imposing, but it's just a raw ball of sinewy muscle. And I think Fabio Vieira is is that sort of he he's sort of the same in that respect. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a huge fan. It's weird though; he's so young, and then he has like a 
a beard you'd expect on sort of someone in their mid fifties. Very, very weird. The goatee, right? Or, or do you like it? Uh, no, I don't. I don't like the look. <laughs> is, is, but he, he's part of a classic collection of players that come to Arsenal with uh, unsightly facial hair, like bad mullets, rat tails. You know, like it's, I don't know, it's quite, like it's a weird sort of like Spanish Mediterranean thing that happens until someone says, listen, let's get you down Tony and Guy. Let's get you down a Turkish barber. Let's, let's get, sort get that some out. Of that, let's get some of that bed head on. Some of, those some of that te- bed head on. Textured locks. Yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not a good look. He doesn't look like a millionaire footballer that has every ounce of food and water measured to the, the precise levels, but he's certainly a killer on the pitch. Um, oh, and I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, same here. I think that, that's the sort of like exciting signing that Arsenal have been making more of. All right, oh. um, one player that everybody... You know, the, the Arsenal community gets really excited about certain players. Um We'll talk about one player they got excited about in the summer who's not looking very good at the moment. But one player that the uh, the Tacticos and the, the YouTube nerds have been jumping on is Cody Gakpo. Um, PSV weren't very good today. Four attempts at goal, one on target. But Cody Gakpo has had a lot of attention over the summer. There was talk of Arsenal moving for him. There was talk of Liverpool and United moving for him. Um, what did you think of... Um, the left-sided attacker today and is he the sort of winger that you'd like to see at the Arsenal? I wasn't impressed. I was expecting a lot more from him, to be honest. I thought it was a real opportunity for him to put himself in the shot window for English clubs who have obviously got all the money. Um, he didn't do much. I mean, he's had a great season. He's on fire at the moment, but I wasn't impressed. He felt, for me, signing Cody Gekpo would be like, it's a Nicolas Pepe signing. You know, you sort of get excited about it, but I worry that it would flatter to deceive. And I'm not convinced that he's the type of quality <coughs> that we need. A little bit too... Uh, he feels like a player who's, who's who's playing at the edge of his form. And I think what what I love is those types of players like Bukayo Saka, who's just pure efficiency, pure goals and assists. You know, no no real tricks, no audacious efforts just like consistent consistent repeatable scalable acts on a football pitch uh so so not 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 overly impressed but again it's a hard game for his team he's on the away team um so yeah did you what did you think of him all i could think of was ryan babble yeah similar sort of similar sort of frame similar sort of language style i was i was deeply unimpressed um, watching him play, and I, I was I, I was expecting like some sort of Mark Overmars uh, like explosive pace, but it it was all a little bit safe. It was all a little bit boring. I appreciate it's difficult to play well um, for a team that just didn't come to play football. Um, but we've seen plenty of good performances over the years from you know one man shows. Um, he didn't impress me. I don't think he's the answer to what we need. Um, as a winger this season, I'd prefer to go for some of the targets that we've got. But it just goes to show you, there is a massive gulf and there is um, between the Premier League and, and everywhere else. And um, you are taking a big risk when you spend top money on players from the Dutch League because you either get the Ruud van Nistelrooy or you get the Ryan Babel. There's no, it doesn't, there's, there's not a lot of in-between with uh, players that come from the Dutch League. Even at the highest level, the, the Ligt, 
um, and Frankie de Jong. Big, big names making it to high levels in the Champions League just didn't really make it. Yeah, there's something something off. You've got to get them out there early. That's what we did with Van Persie. Van Destroy oh, went pretty no. early. I mean, I'm staggered by how well uh, Van Destroy looks. I mean, he must be. I want to. He should he? work for your design agency as a creative director. I'd listen he, yeah, to him. He, I'd he buy looks, his designs. I mean, I used to despise him. I used to, you know, he's got a face like a horse. Still has to to that to, to that basis. Didn't didn't really enjoy watching him as a footballer. Didn't he was very very efficient player, but didn't 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 do it for me. Maybe just because I hated Man United so much. But um, I think he came across well as a manager. Um, he was quite funny. I liked. He was quite funny, credit. and his his joke about the Invincibles was a. Uh, had some levity to it, so yeah, good for him. But he looks looks so well as well. Doesn't doesn't look tired. He, doesn't look like he was that boozing last night. And you know, he looked healthy. Yeah, I was like, wow, you got nice skin. He's yeah. got he, he's uh, early forties. Uh, Is he early forties? I think he's older than that, mate. Right? He must be. I don't know. I mean, he must be around the same age as Thierry Henry. So forty five. Um, forty six. 46 years oh, old. He's looking really fucking good for 46. Outrageous. Yeah. yeah. All right. Oh, um, because, I need his, his, his skincare regime. Because you live in America and I live in America and the US men's national team supporters, they're like a weird kind of mafia. They're like, oh, yeah. they're like, they're like 4chan. Like they'll get hold of your address. They'll dox you if you don't bring up Matt Turner. Um, Matt Turner kept another clean sheet. He had a whole one shot to deal with, but it was quite a spicy shot. Um, Matt Turner just yes. quiet, quietly doing his job. What did you think? I think was Matt Turner. I, think, I mean, I how much we, could we say? I actually thought he was good, alert, sharp on the ball, made a couple of good saves. Um, you can see. I think it's more about what you exude as much as what you what you do. And I think he just looks a player looks so much more confident. You know, he's sort of almost playing weekly at the moment with the Europa, which I think has been really, really good for him. I think he's enjoying it. I think he's rising to the occasion. I think I, I originally I was like, if he plays any games, we're going to suffer. I'm sort of of the mindset now that he could do a run. He could maybe do four, six games. Um, so, so yeah, it's it's really positive about him, and um, and 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 yeah, he looks like a, a decent second choice. Yeah. And listen, if you're the best goalkeeper in MLS, if you're America's number one, there is something about you somewhere. So hopefully we can unlock that. I'm just still a little bit flummoxed why we went after a goalkeeper that you isn't... You can't pass out. You can't pass out. It just it just seems like a really odd miss for Arteta. You would think that he would go with someone who was rubbish at shot stopping, but was a great number 10 when he was 16 or something like that. But clearly, I mean, the one thing I, the one thing I'd say is he does seem to have some character about him. Um, yeah. um, and I think that's one of the big shifts we've seen in the team, like looking for people with the right attitude as much as anything else. you got, to, it's, it's a difficult, difficult brief, right? You've got to find someone who's happy being number two, uh, realistically, potentially not playing uh, any, any, any league games. But good enough to play when and against the very top top opposition when they come in, and then also have the attitude of not being not being someone to complain 
So it's really, really tricky to find to find the right profile. So I'm beginning to think we might have done all right with Matt Turner. Maybe maybe it's just everything now around Arsenal is just all sunshine and rainbows. But you know, he's he looks he looks decent to me. Yeah, I, I hope it comes good. You know, you want to see um, you want to see players succeed when they they up sticks and move three and a half thousand miles um, to the other side of the world. So hopefully. Um, Hopefully he has a good run. I'd like to see him in a difficult game. Um, I think when he's played previously in games where he's getting peppered with shots, he's looked a little bit like a, a deer in headlights. But hopefully um, hopefully he's a good number two and that he pushes Aaron Ramsdale. But Aaron Ramsdale looks in great form, so it's going to be very difficult for him to break in as number one. Well, that's the other the other part of the brief, right? It's like we, we need you to do all these things, but we also need you to to keep your first team goalkeeper on his toes and be a good partner to him and be someone who you train with every day and he enjoys being with you. So if Aaron Ramsdale is playing well, you have to say Matt Turner deserves some credit, you know, uh, he's sort of keeping him, making ensuring that he's not complacent and the like. So... This sort of, maybe we're just in such a good mood because of the results yesterday. Is that maybe maybe that's feeding into the fact that there's just no bad news in my mind around Arsenal at the moment? Well, why don't we talk about somebody else's bad news then, Matt? Oh, let's let, come on. Let's finish the show on a high. Uh, listen, I got I've had Tottenham fans, um, my friends, messaging me saying, "Oh wow, like Spurs fans hate you, and they say some really nasty things about you on the internet." <laughs> like. I don't read them, my friends. I do not read them. But I know that you watch the podcast. I know that there's a whole bunch of you that follow the Grove on the Twitter feed. And I know you've had your your little Antonio Conte so elite in your little drafts ready to get me back. But my word, have you hired Unai Emery, Mark II. United were absolutely battered Spurs yesterday. 28 shots conceded is an embarrassment 20 million pound a year manager generational oh he's so elite all of these little teenagers saying i wish you sack arteta for conte and listen i want to know your opinion because you were like conte is a winner he still is a winner but where how do you position his tenure at the moment because it's looking bad and i know spurs fans and i won't call out their names because they send me whatsapp messages and they say conte is destroying the season ticket experience Spurs fans don't like going there. They know the football shit. And we're looking over at Arsenal and we're a little bit jealous. What do you think, Matt? <sighs> yeah, I mean, I think I'd start by saying they've had their best start to Premier League season ever, which is funny, right? Because we're, we're four points clear with a game in hand. Um, but it's not all doom and gloom because they've got a lot of points so far. So... That they're, they're 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 fine. They're set up quite nicely for this season, regardless of of, of yesterday and all that. Um, but what I, the thing that gives me real hope is that that summer spending spree is now looking like increasingly bad business every day that goes by. Bissouma, uh, Perisic, Richarlison. There's no good news coming out of that lot, and that's the bit that fills me with hope because that tells me there's a disconnect between the coach and the sporting director and where there's a big disconnect it's impossible to be successful it's impossible but how, so, how how can there be a disconnect and this is this is antonio conte it's an excuse machine how can there be a disconnect him and paratici go way back that was the whole yeah. reason that he went over there so if he's chirping off about not getting this player not getting that player 
uh, like let's let's just go back to the summer transfers where everybody was telling me Perisic was a great signing. Man looks old. He he couldn't keep up. He was gassed, absolutely gassed after 15 minutes chasing around uh, after Saka. Basuma. Oh, Arsenal should sign Basuma. Everybody's saying that we should sign Basuma. Sorry, mate. Rubbish. Can't even keep fit. Can't even get in the starting lineup. Jed Spence with his big cigar trapping off the Neil Warnock. How's that signing looking? Fraser Forster doesn't even matter. Like who did they who did they sign in the summer? Richarlison. No goals. No goals. So so average. And he's and Richarlison is the biggest cringe in football. He's always doing something where you're like, wow, that is remarkably cringe. For someone that looks like quite a cool guy, when he was it uh, when he scored a, he thought he scored a goal and it was disallowed, and he took his shirt off. It's like you're an embarrassment. But none of those players moved the squad forward. They couldn't deal with United's press. Um, they get abused for ninety minutes, and then they get a goal on the counter, and everyone's like, "It's the genius of whatever." Did you read Miguel Delaney today? Oh, Miguel my Delaney, God. what a, what a load of absolute rubbish. It is, it is the laziest approach, and, and a lot of football fans do this. A lot of football fans do this. The laziest approach is Conte is a winner, so anything bad that's happening is, is strategic because he's a winner and everything will be all right in the end. I'm sorry. The only way that it works for Conte is when he's either the richest club, um, he's spending money that doesn't exist, uh, and, and he's five years ago. He's not winning the Premier League with Spurs. He's not winning the Premier League with Spurs. That football is dreadful. There is no way that that is sustainable over a season. And there's just too many good coaches in the Premier League for him to compete. And everyone will say, well, give him the money. Oh, yeah, give him 400 million. Give any manager 400 million to see what they do. But I love that Spurs fans know this is disgusting. And this sort of football is not part of Spurs' DNA. And they've, they've, they're, it's so good to watch the suffering, Matt. I love it. But the best thing about it for me is that everyone was talking about that game at White Hart Lane, which was very, very painful. It's the catalyst. You know, it was, it was billed as the catalyst. It was whoever wins that game is going to accelerate their progression. Whoever loses the game is not going to get Champions League and not going to be able to improve at the same pace. And they were absolutely right about the game being a catalyst. But at the end of the day it's been a catalyst for us rather than a catalyst for them because it was that disappointment that came out of that that feels like it's fueling the start to our season. And rather than regressing... And then the other thing is, I'm glad we're not playing Champions League this year. I have to say, I don't think we can handle it. And I don't think we would have had nine wins out of ten in the Premier League if we were playing Champions League as well. For the first time in five years, I think we would be really struggling with the intensity um, and not being able to 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 rotate, but but, but uh, I also think that it's it's not it's not just about you know like the, I know that everybody was very down that we didn't get into the Champions League and everyone said that we wouldn't be able to compete for players, but like you know we work in a brand world and we work in a, a world where the story that you tell as a business um, it either attracts or it rejects customers. Arteta has a great story. And he has a great brand of football and he's an innovator and he's created a, a world of positivity around Arsenal. Antonio Conte went into Spurs and shithoused his way into, into top four. But interestingly, players didn't want to join him in the summer. He went for Gabriel Jesus. They moved on players that Arsenal pushed for and they had a really bland summer. 
because everybody knows that Antonio Conte is a short-term manager. Everybody knows that he's probably in over his head um, at Spurs. And Arsenal had a better summer despite not having Champions League. And I think it's because we've got a better story. And everybody can see the potential of where we're going. And it's playing out in real time. And I, I just, you know, I, feel, I do feel a little bit sorry for Spurs fans because this... Really? this, this well, I, I mean, no. What I, what I, what I, uh, the way that uh, the reason that I feel for them is uh, in the same way that I felt for myself and you when uh, we hired Unai Emery. We hired a sufferable expert. Unai Emery football is disgusting, and it's not part of Arsenal's DNA. And um, we all had to convince ourselves that this like Europa League merchant was going to take Arsenal back to the top. This embarrassment of a of a manager was going to take us back to the top, and we all kidded ourselves. We were never going to like that football. And Daniel Levy went from Pochettino, this top-level, charismatic, dynamic manager that everybody in... I liked Pochettino. I didn't, you know, didn't like him as much. I didn't hate him like I normally hate Spurs managers. And Spurs started to get dangerously likable as a, as a team. No, they, they, got, they, started like, to get, they, they started to get worryingly good. But this is the team that had Deli Alley playing for them. Do, that, they were oh, yeah, right. I took that too far. Was, but then... But what did Daniel Daniel Levy was like, do you know what? Let's get rid of that that guy that everybody loves. Uh, let's stop the progress and let's put Jose Mourinho on a downward slide. And then all the know-it-alls, all the all the tacticos were like, uh, people were saying, I don't think people realize how good Jose Mourinho is for this squad. And he fucked up. Then they replace, then they go for Nuno, and you're like, oh my God, what is going on here? Like the, the guy that bankrupted Valencia. And then they went, you know, the final roll of the dice, Antonio Conte, and they're getting what they deserve. And i tell you what, um, top four was not, missing out on top four wasn't a problem for me because we've got a five-year plan. We're going to be in a better place than Spurs in five years. What is Spurs' five-year plan? Where are they going to be? The football's dreadful. The money spent this summer was bad money. And Harry Kane has one year left to go on his deal in the summer. And if they get nowhere near anything, they're going to have to make a decision. Do you let Harry Kane go for 40 million because they'll have one year left on his deal? Or do you keep him against his will and have no money to rebuild? Because Spurs do not have a lot of money. And I just think it's beautiful. It's beautiful because they didn't think long term. They didn't want to take their medicine. They didn't want to say, hey, Graham Potter, here's 200 million. Go and spend it and have the keys to the palace. Spurs fans would have loved that. And now what are you left with? Thomas Tuchel at best. Well, po- well Potter and the medicine will get you a draw at Brentford, right? That's what, that, that, that's what you'd get. Uh, I will give we'll give him some time, but good like fair play to fair play to Brentford yesterday. That was a that was a great result. All right, easy man, kept... it's, it's, an, it's an easy place to go there, right, Brentford? Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, like that. Uh, that you think about some of the wins that we've had this season that were framed completely different at the start of the season, and I love seeing Gary Neville squirm. It'll be rubbish after the World Cup. Shut up, Gary. Um, all right, Matt. Have you got any other business today? No, just uh, all, I think all attentions on St Mary's. Right, it's been a bogey ground for us. Um, we have to and win. We will be going. Uh, that's and that's the that's the other business, right? Because we'll be talking about St Mary's tomorrow on a before the whistle that goes exclusively Oof. to Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash the Arsenal opinion. It's three pound fifty a month. You get all the before the whistles. You get the early bird raps from Johnny. You get the David Dean interviews early when they drop. Um, and if you are watching this, and you, and I know there's a lot of you in the room, and you haven't subscribed, what are you doing? Click that subscribe button right now and make sure you're following us on iTunes. Um, 
I think that's about it. Are we good, Matt? Have we got anything that's else it. to talk about? You, 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 you was right. You, you stopped me. You stopped me and you said, nope, that we're saving that elite content for the people that pay. We are. So uh, I want to say, once again, a big thank you. This podcast is regularly in the, it's like every week, it's in the top 20 in America. It's in the top 20 in Australia. It's in the top 20 in the UK for football. And that's incredible. And it's because of people like you uh, adding us on the podcast, listening to it, start to finish and leaving those chunky five-star reviews. So I want to say a big thank you to everybody that's listening. I'm going to gear up the music right this second. And Ooh, yeah. uh, and then we're going to then we're gonna say goodbye. So thank you for listening. Ciao for now. Ciao for now. Podcast Network.